0: So, COVID 19 is basically just forcing us to ask a question that many of us should ask themselves anyway. Yeah? Is this really what I want to do with my life, or am I just the tourist that never left?
1: Hello, and welcome to The Low Season, a show about tour guides navigating a pandemic. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide in Berlin, and like many of you, I'm currently unemployed. I wanted to just briefly say how amazing it was to hear from all of you over the past week. We've got a ton of reactions and I'm really glad that it's finding some sort of resonance within the wider tour guiding community. For today, we have a conversation with Katinka Minte. Katinka has already got a career behind her as a director of photography and has been living in Berlin for almost 20 years. And for the past six years, she has been a guide in the capital.
0: City guiding came along more as a side job. And then I just realized I really, really like it. This suits me incredibly well. And I'm going to stick
1: with this. We talk about Katinka single-handedly shutting down the Berlin comedy scene, being unemployed, and whether tour guiding is a sustainable profession to have.
0: It's a job that you do maybe for a few years, but there is no way to go from there.
1: I present to you Katinka Minta. Okay, hello, Walter. Hello, Katinka. How are you? I'm like sort of stuck in a cupboard at the moment, which is fine. Like, I don't mind being in the cupboard for a little bit. But um, in order to make these recordings sound nice, you know, I've got all the soundproofing here and I have to sort of sit sit in this really interesting position. Tell me um, tell me about you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing a bit better. Um, I started, I don't know if you know this, but I caught COVID-19 shortly after Carnival from my neighbor. And so I was already quarantined for uh, the better, almost two weeks before the actual lockdown started. So I've been actually stuck at home for quite a bit. And I just felt... Uh, With the world falling apart around us and without us being able to do anything about it, um, I felt that I almost was giving in into entropy. Yes, I felt like I'm dissolving. I'm not able to get out of bed and I'm not, you know, I'm just not able to focus on anything. And that has gotten a lot better. Um, I started out of boredom and despair to learn a bit of Italian um, and just a little bit, but and that just keeps your brain busy. And now yesterday we decided, um, I did a stand-up comedy class, and I started stand-up comedy at the beginning of this year before it all fell apart. And we decided to do regular meetings and just work on sets and maybe do a little show in a couple of weeks. So those things do keep me busy.
1: Now, this, this is a, a nice summary of it all. We're going to sort of go in, I think, a bit more depth about all of these different things, but maybe let's start indeed with with your um sort of COVID 19 experience because i do remember that uh you were i think maybe the, f- the very first one that i know in my personal circle that had any experience um, actually contracting the virus and it was really at a stage that everybody was still sort of a little bit like well yeah we'll see what happens if tours will come and we're still people doing tours and everything and yeah that has all changed but maybe you can talk a little bit about how you have experienced sort of yeah getting it having to self-isolate maybe also the experience of you know, your community around you
0: Well, I actually was very surprised when I got the positive result from the test and uh, because I'd met, I'd seen my neighbor very, very briefly when she came back from Carnival and I did not feel ill. I felt at one weekend, I felt like I'm coming down with a little bit of a cold, you know, this feeling when you're a bit, you know, cold in the evening and you're not feeling well and you know, oh, tomorrow I'm probably going to wake up and be sick. And I had that for two evenings, but I wasn't sick the next day. And um, I went to stand-up comedy shows and then my neighbor texted me and she said uh, she's got COVID-19. And she was very sick because her bedroom is on the other side of my bedroom and I could hear her coughing and she was in a terrible shape. And so I thought, hmm, I better check because the timing does feel quite you know, it fit the timing. And so I called this hotline and it took forever. And I had a bit of an argument about somebody, oh, it's the flu season. And I said, look, I'm just telling you, I had first contact with someone. Well, they didn't call it first contact. And so they sent me a test. And I was actually very, very lucky because the husband of my neighbor had to be tested. And as a doctor came anyway to do that test, they tested me alongside. And so one and a half days later I had that result. And what happened was just this explosion of communication because I was very free at the beginning with this information that I have this disease. There was a point where I was actually regretting that a little bit because some people just reacted oddly. Gazillions of people started texting me and calling me. Everybody wanted to know what was going on, how was my symptoms. A lot of people kept uh, pestering me. Yeah, but I met you. Are you sure? I'm not sick. Um, two were especially persistent to the point where I got quite cranky. And you know, I said, look, the virus can't travel in time. I met my neighbor on Wednesday. I saw you on Tuesday. You're fine. <laughs> it's like, and, and it just created this wave. As so many people had to go into quarantine because of me, because I went to these three comedy shows. So everybody who had the microphone after me, who was standing very close to me, had to go into quarantine. All my friends had to go into quarantine because we all met. And so it just created this incredible wave of interest, but also just effects. Yeah, it was a bit surreal.
1: And I, what I feel most of all, like I've been chatting to a lot of people about what's going on, what's happening in their lives, how they're dealing with quarantining, um, but we're now a month on in 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 these lockdown, quarantine, self-isolating ways. And there's many ways that you can still go outside, you can do all kinds of things. But while you're going through this phase of having to quarantine and contact all these people, we're still in a, in a situation in which people think there's gonna be tours, you know? There's still a situ- mm-hmm. You're yeah. going through all these motions <laughs> um, that we all now all find very normal. But in a stage that when you contact people, they're thinking like, what? Do I have to do this? I don't think so. Is it really that crazy?
0: Yeah. yeah. A lot of people were not amused. A lot of people were not amused. Um, they made their peace with it. But, um, but I also effectively, I don't know, you might not have noticed this, but the Berlin stand-up comedy scene stopped doing events a week before it was legally told and it's basically because of me because there was a couple of hosts there also who also host other events and so I basically shut down the Berlin stand-up comedy scene <laughs> Just like, uh, and, and in the end nobody got it um, but I, and I was very relieved my virus count was very low so the result of my test was schwach positive and I told this to people I said the chances are quite low that you're getting it but You know you have to make a decision about this. Um, Only very few people were actually told by the Gesundheitsamt ordered to stay at home, Um, but a lot of people did it voluntarily. So my experience was that uh, people were a bit shocked, but they were also quite willing uh, to go along with this, um, because this was still the beginning and people were not quite so tired of everything yet.
1: Hey, how are how are you doing now? Because of course, your your health is of course the number one priority, and the fact that you were ill and not being able to sort of infect other people, possibly. But now that's all out of the way. Like you are just like the rest of us out of a job, um, at the moment, at least for the foreseeable future, not able to to do any guided tours. How, how have you been coping with, with, yeah, that idea?
0: I've been getting used to that idea in stages. In January, I was still hoping this is gonna be like SARS. Um, I did not, I wasn't a guide yet when SARS was sweeping the world, but Jan told me that he lost a third of his income. And I thought last year went exceptionally well for me. So I thought I can easily miss a third of my income. That's no big deal. And then it got worse and worse. And then we thought for a while, okay, maybe um, the summer is going to be okay because maybe the virus is just going to act like flu virus and just going to disappear in the summer. So in stages, I got used to the idea of less and less money. And I... uh, this is the third time that a worldwide recession is crushing my career. It has happened to me twice before. In 9-11, um, I was just finished with my cinematography degree and um, everything shut down in the media. In 2008, I had just re-established myself as a cinematographer. I'd, I was working. I had a good... I just shot a major project and then everything collapsed and I was in Britain and nobody was shooting anything except the BBC for two years. So um, this time is different in one way and it's actually much easier in one way. is because the other two times um, I was on my own and now everybody has this problem. So even if you apply for Hartz there is no longer a stigma. There is no stigma of failure. Uh, attached to this crisis and that is making my life emotionally a lot easier so this crisis is is of course a bit of a nightmare yeah because i was just established as a good guide on this upper tier of well paid work Yeah, you know what I mean. There was different tiers of work and I'd reached not quite the top, but I was quite far at the top to live really comfortably, save a lot of money, get easily through winter. And that was the first year last year where I felt that. And I was just so happy and content and that everything is crashing again around me was a bit, oh, come on, not again. (laughs) Because so, so, exactly 2008, the same thing happened. Yeah, I'm finishing my first feature film. I'm finally I've got a year's worth of money in my account, and I'm finally feeling I've arrived, and everything just goes tits up. And it's it's this is literally the third time, and I'm frustrated and I'm angry, but I'm also resigned and thinking, well, i survived it twice. I'll survive it a third time as well.
1: How do we do that? I mean, like, there's of course you you've been through something similar like twice before, what are some of the things that you took away from that that make you now a bit more resilient?
0: What took me away was, for example, to not enter into any long term contracts, all of my contracts, be this um, sports, uh, be this, which is a bit of a theoretical concept to me, you know, you know, I'm rather plump, but um, all those contracts, phone and so on, apart from a few insurances, are all on a monthly basis. So the first thing I did was cancel uh, the gym, um, downgrade my phone contract and just cut all unnecessary expenses from my life Um, I have a very cheap rent so uh, I'm quite okay with that I don't have a child so I don't have to provide for anybody and so my strategy is to just cut down my expenditure um, to a level where uh, with the savings I still have um, I can live off heart sphere until next year my big fear is that next year it's not going to come back because we don't have a vaccine by next year. That's my biggest fear at the moment, that we're not going to have one but two seasons lost. And then I am actually not quite sure what to do.
1: Yeah, I hear this actually a lot. So the people, uh, Some people, of course, immediately reconsidering their career. Other people saying, well, if it's if it's coming back in the autumn or spring of 2021, then maybe it's worth of waiting out. But what if it's longer? You know, what if we are at this for like a year or two, you know? Are we then, what are we gonna do then?
0: Well, my experience is that it is really, really difficult to get a job, just any job, because um, in these recessions, jobs are scarce. Companies are not hiring. There's a lot of unemployed people. And most of these companies know that you're not in there for a long haul. So if you're going to apply, even if it's just for a call center or any kind of boxed the job that anybody can do, um, you will have a lot of other applicants there as well. And many of those CVs are not going to tell the potential boss, um, this person is actually wants to do something else. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, So my CV very clearly says, Uh, I'm not going to be a call center agent for more than I need to or um, a shop person or anything of the kind. And so my experience in the last two crises is is it's actually not really, um, I'm not going to try this. Yeah, I did look actually, before everything was in lockdown, I did look at jobs and I was considering applying for a call center job for Lieferando, but then then I decided, no, I'm not going to do that because um, I'll find something else to do. If it's two years, I'm not sure. Uh, funnily enough, I have been thinking about opening a third career slowly um, for the next decade of my life. I'm turning 50 next year and I love this job and I don't want to give it up, but I, I can't see myself doing this past 60 and so I thought I will in the next couple five, six years, I will find a job where I can sit down and still work with people. I need to do another education, maybe as some sort of therapist or something. So I have been thinking in the long haul that tourism, working in tourism is not very sustainable and that um I might not be able to do this job anymore physically in about 10 years from now or five years from now. And so I have been thinking about something else. But at this moment, I'm not willing to do that. At the moment, I do want to stay a guide because I really, really do love this job. I'm really good at it. And uh, I'm not going to give it up.
1: Maybe can I ask you, because one one of the things that I continuously find myself asking people is about the sustainability of the profession as a tour guide. Um, what do we do that we like and love so much about it, but also what are some of the things that we don't like so much about it? And of course, I talk to a lot of people who are maybe in their 20s, they don't really think so much about what what is in store for them for the next decade or something. But of course, there there is some serious like uh, considerations if you get a bit older that like tour guiding might not be able... might not be something that you are able to do for your entire life. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that?
0: Well, from my point of view, I don't think tour guiding is a good thing to do as a career when you're in your 20s. It's a job that you do maybe for a few years, but there is no way to go from there. So if you have any kind of ambition, you want a job that will get you somewhere. And unless you're an entrepreneur and you're keen on doing the whole office thing and become a proper travel um, agent, um, where are you going with this? Yeah, so um, I think for me, it's different because I had my dream job as a cinematographer and I had to give it up for a number of reasons. The main one being a physical one, I've got a damaged ankle and it was very clear that these 12, 10, 12 16-hour days are simply not doable for me anymore. And so there was this point where I thought, I can't grow old with this, I need a different job. Tour gate, um, sort of city guiding, because I just work in cities, I don't go on travels. Um Came along more as a side job, and then I just realized I really, really like it. This suits me incredibly well, and I'm going to stick with this. But to be honest, I'm, as I said, I'm almost 50. I started this when I was in my mid 40s. And in your mid 40s, a lot of doors are already closed. You're not going to go back to university and get a psychology degree, for example. That's something that I considered. And I just realized, no, it's too long. It's going to take me more than 10 years, and I can't do it while still earning money. Yeah. Um, but if you're in your mid 20s, you can still go back to uni. You can still um, find a completely new field. Yeah? So um, that is something that you have to consider for yourself. What do you want to do in your life, where do you want to be in five to 10 years? And anybody who is at least 25 and older will ask themselves this question. Yeah? Yes, this is fulfilling, but is this fulfilling for the next 20, 30 years? And I think that will completely independent from the COVID-19 crisis. That is a question that you should ask yourself. Yeah. Do I want to do this in 10 years from now? And my answer for me being at the stage where I am and having done what I've done, I've lived in several countries. Um, I've had a very exciting job. I'm quite happy with less excitement and I'm very happy where I am. Yeah. In Berlin with this job. So for me, the answer is, do I want to do it the, th- the next 10 years? Well, yes, I do. Yeah. So COVID-19 is basically just a- forcing us to ask a question that many of us should ask themselves anyway. Yeah. Is this really what I want to do with my life or am I just the tourist that never left?
1: Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think this is something that comes up in conversations a lot. A lot of people confront... Actually, the conversation I just had, uh, somebody telling me this is something that people are confronted with now, especially. It's not always an, a comfortable confrontation. I mean, it's often very confronting, literally, um, but it's it's an important one. And I, I think it's, it's something that many people are are questioning uh, about themselves right now. Um, Katinka, I I, I think for now I wanna thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I would love to maybe um, talk to you in in the future again, maybe in a couple of weeks or a couple of months and see where we're at and where you're at and what you're thinking. Um, but for now, I, I really want to thank you so much for, for, for telling about your own experiences, and um, yeah, I hope um, I hope the next couple of weeks will be, uh, will be comfortable, easy, and filled with sunshine.
0: I think they will, um, but they're also going to be always filled with a little bit of dread. But as I said, the the good thing about this crisis is we are all in this boat together. Um, we live in a comfortable that provides in a country that provides for us at least to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, if you look at what's happening in other places in the world, I'm, I'm sure we all send prayers of thank you to uh, whatever deity we're praying or not. Um, so I think that we, we'll be okay. Yeah? We're not going to be fine, but I think we'll be okay.
1: Those are some encouraging words from Katinka Minta. And what a roller coaster must that have been. One of the first people to actually have contracted the virus and then being responsible for a whole wave of people having to go into isolation. Those were the early days of Corona being in Berlin, when only about 150 cases were known. As of today, Tuesday, April 21st, the number of registered infections in Berlin is a little over 5,000, with a total of 92 people that have died from the disease. On the prospect of being a full-time tour guide until retirement, Katinka is pretty clear.
0: So I have been thinking in the long haul that tourism working in tourism is not very sustainable
1: and she does not just mean that your job is vulnerable in times of crises. she's also talking about the physical toll that being a tour guide has on you
0: i might not be able to do this job anymore physically in about 10 years from now or five years from now
1: a lot of guides that i've spoken to are roughly between 25 and 40 years old people that drifted into tour guiding from another job or having completed the university degree Others are travelers themselves that ended up in Berlin and simply never left. Whatever your reason for becoming a guide, a lot of us are happily finding ourselves in this profession many, many years later. And while our knees are still working and our backs have not given in, it feels like the best thing in the world to be able to go out there every day and enjoy the sun. But take one quick look around the guiding community and it's easy to see that there's few guides in the streets of Berlin that are still doing this when they're 60. Well then, dear listeners, if you enjoyed this episode of The Low Season, I'd be very happy to hear it. Send me a message at thelowseasonpodcast at gmail.com. That also goes for recommendations and other people that I should have on the show. I'm always looking for different voices and different perspectives. Even if you think you might not have anything valuable to add to the show, there's always a way into a good conversation. The Low Season is a daily beast with new episodes coming out every day, Monday to Friday. That means that if you're lazy like me and you want to stack up on a couple of episodes for one good batch of listening, you should subscribe and never miss an episode. The Low Season is on whatever podcast app you're using and furthermore it is on iTunes, Overcast and Spotify. Tomorrow we're back with Two Roomies both tour guides that had to figure out a way to stay separated while being isolated within their own flat.
0: Be as loud as I want and dance around in the living room in my underwear, and it was great.
1: Music is by Mark Schilders, artwork by Sergio Membrias. Georgia Ryungu is the smell in the air after a refreshing spring rain. Speak soon, my friends.